Welcome back to another episode of A Few Screws Loose, the podcast, where we have mental health discussions by the mentally ill. My name is Dan. You can catch me on Twitter and IG at I am Dan on Drugs. And I am P in Charlotte. And you can catch me on Instagram and on Twitter at Screws Loose Pod. So this week, uh, what we're going to discuss is body dysmorphic disorder. And it's also known as body dysmorphia. Now, I don't have the I do have the official definition. But prior to this show, I I looked at body dysmorphia as someone who wasn't happy with a certain a certain trait they had. Like, let's say your nose, not happy with your nose and you focus on it. And no matter what you do, it's like your nose sticks out and you're not going to be happy until well, whatever. Maybe it's too big. Maybe it's too small. Maybe it's too wide. But no matter no matter what, that one particular thing makes you ugly. And you can actually be a beautiful person. Um, P. Prior to doing any research or for any research for this show, what what was your take on body dysmorphia? I looked at body dysmorphia as uh, I kind of had my own personal experience with it, so I was kind of limited to just uh, how you think you look. Versus how other people think you look. Um, but upon during the, doing the research, man, you, you kind of see that it's a little bit more complicated than that in some cases. And uh, it can sort of be caused by a wide ranging uh, list of uh, factors. So, um, yeah, I was I was kind of surprised to see some of this information. I thought it was just kind of a thing that people just felt and it wasn't really an actual disorder. But, you know, upon our research, you do kind of find out that there is actually a uh, illness aspect to it. All right. So I do have the definition for body dysmorphic disorder right here. And uh, we're just going to kind of breeze through this. And then what we're going to do is we're going to tie in our own personal experience with experiences with what may be considered body dysmorphic disorder and um, some also some celebrities and famous people who suffer from or have uh, body dysmorphic disorder. So what are the symptoms? There are many signs and symptoms of body dysmorphic disorder. They vary from person to person. And if you are suffering from it, you likely spend an excessive amount of time obsessing over a perceived flaw on a very specific body part. Then compulsively exhibit any number of behaviors trying to rid yourself of this defect. So some of the defects uh, that people with body dysmorphic disorder kind of fixate on are things like moles, freckles, uh, minor scars or acne, facial body hair, facial and body hair, uh, too little hair on their head, balding or hair thinning. That's I, I, I have no hair. Uh, the size and shape of genitalia. The <laughs> 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 Why your dick look like a you? That joint pointing back at you. <laughs> Man, I, I Man, body. I'm gonna tell you what I. I'm about to say I, I became body dysmorphic when I found out that other everybody else's penis isn't shaped like a star. <laughs> you got a ninja dart. <laughs> God damn man um <laughs> we making fun of we making fun of people with body dysmorphic disorder man because <laughs> you because they got small penises like, look like a little, a little something that a ninja turtle would carry let <laughs> me get throw a, a ninja star or a dick at me like, what the fuck man so um <laughs> i knew that was gonna happen when you got the genitalia <laughs> you ain't lying man 
Uh, that's like that one very quick. That's like that one um episode we did on Black Law when we was trying to talk about dude that was innocent who raped a woman, and I kept laughing at pubic hair that they found in an antique shop. <laughs> laughing for oh, yeah. a long time, man. But um, the size and shape of genitalia, the size of breast, muscles uh too small. Now this is very common in men. My muscles are too small. I'm too scrawny. Uh. And we're going to get into muscular dysmorphia as well. The size and shape or symmetry of their face or any other body parts. They're likely to exhibit um, these behaviors. Repetitive checking of a real or imagined flaw in the mirror. Avoidance of mirrors. Avoidance of having your picture taken. Uh, repetitive grooming activities like combing your hair, shaving, Repetitive touching, checking, or measuring the perceived flaw, minor or imagined. Um, wearing excessive makeup or growing a beard to try to cover up a perceived flaw. Wearing certain types of clothing to cover up the perceived flaw. Making multiple doctor's visits, and this happens a lot with dermatologists. Undergoing multiple medical procedures, uh, cosmetic surgeries, things of that nature. Trying to eradicate or minimize the perceived flaw, frequent thoughts about your appearance, um, hours per day, repeatedly asking others for their verbal opinion on how you look, uh, seeking reassurance, basically believing that and not believing them if they say you look great, uh, leaving the house less off, less often or going out on a night to Jesus Christ, leaving the house less often or only going out at night trying to camouflage your appearance in darkness, keeping obsessions, compulsions, and all of these things a secret for fear of social stigma, emotional problems like depression, feelings of disgust, low self-esteem, and anxiety, avoidance of social situations, and belief that others take special notice of your perceived flaw. Now, I can definitely relate to that. Um... So, uh, P, well, what's, what's your take on some of these symptoms here? Well, one of the symptoms uh, you listed of growing a beard to cover up a flaw. I mean, have you ever seen James Harden without his beard? Like, that nigga seriously, is a beard. Like, when you said that, that dude, that, that it's pretty much he is a beard. Like, his face is non-existent underneath his beard. So, when you were when you got to that part, that kind of stuck out to me. But I can relate to a, a few of these things, man. Um, I think everybody can relate, especially in this internet age, this day and age. People can relate to many things on this list. Um, you know, as we'll get into later, um, certain things, this may not be popular to say, but some of these examples actually have positive benefits. But, um, you know, one of my things that I, I believe is too much of anything is, is bad. So when you cross that line from, uh, self-criticism you know self uh beneficial criticism versus obsession that's when it becomes a major problem and um you get the prevalence of unhealthy behaviors and i mean it it, it can be a, a a really really debilitating condition for some people out there. yeah 100 percent, man now do you um do you identify as having body dysmorphic disorder no i don't i don't i mean i think to have that disorder to have it labeled a disorder on yourself, you have to really obsess. Now, I think there was a time when I was borderline obsessing about it. Um, but I had a lot of other issues going on at that time, Dan. I think you you know the era I'm talking about around 10 years ago. Um, you know, but we both like to hit the gym. We both have gone back and forth and had different uh, body types back and forth, back and forth, just from different levels of physical fitness. What, what about you? Do you identify with a lot of these, some of these, or would you identify as body dysmorphic yourself hmm no all right i don't prior prior to reading some of this stuff about the disorder i'm not i'm not exactly sure where i fall uh i did think i had body dysmorphic uh disorder or body dysmorphia prior to reading a lot of this information because as you know, like like you said, we did we hit the gym often religiously and we didn't go to the gym to become bodybuilders. We went to the gym to look good, feel good, be strong. Right. There was a time where uh, if I got on a scale and there was a two or three pound increase in my weight, 
I'm running. I'm going to the gym. I'm working out like tire tirelessly for hours until I lose that two or three pounds. And th- this happened for a long time. Um, at about 2003, 2004, right when we started training like 100% seriously for boxing. I don't know if you remember this. And I was only eating once a day and I was eating maybe seven or 800 calories. I went from 185 pounds down to 148 pounds, 48, 49, somewhere in there, which was the lightest I've ever been. And you can imagine that people who knew me or who saw me, man, you look sick because you dropped that much weight that fast. I've always been fixated on being slim and lean, right? So I'd have to say, I guess maybe... I do fall. I'm I'm on the I'm on the scale somewhere when when it comes to body dysmorphia because I feel like if I'm not slim, if my if I have a little gut, if I have any uh, back rolls of fat, like you know, it's, it's like that's unacceptable. I look like shit, and I wouldn't dare take my shirt off or or anything. I think my most intense era of hitting the gym religiously was when I was single. And I'm not saying that because like, you know, you get comfortable when you get in a relationship. No, it's just, you're alone. You know, I got a lot of kids, but um, when they're at school or whatever, you, you're alone. And when you have to always do something, your mind is always racing. You, um, you got to do something to fill that time. And d- the gym was my thing. I mean, I had a period, you know, like Dan mentioned when we were doing the boxing and stuff, I was only about 154 pounds back then. Um, then I ended up gaining weight. I did a lot of heavy, heavy weightlifting, a lot of powerlifting, got real strong. I ended up getting to about 220 pounds. Um, so that was massive. And that was around what, what, Dana, 2008 to no, that no, was, um, before Hurricane Katrina is about nah, 2006. Nah, that was eight. Cause I got a picture of you, uh, when we went to Oak Alley Plantation, the, the one pick where you oh, looked right. swollen. Yeah. And I remember because, um, that was after, um, we were, we were riding through the Katrina neighborhoods. That was like my first time back yeah. since the storm. And I was like 215. Then I got injured, fire department, my wrist was injured. And um, I had to get surgeries. After I had to get two surgeries. I couldn't lift weights anymore. I couldn't go heavy. So what ended up happening was I changed my diet. Because like Dan said, I was eating once a day too. Um, about eight 900 calories. But I, I had to change the way I lift weights. I started doing a lot of really light weights. At, at that time, I was benching, you know, 275 pounds, 265 pounds easily, I had to drop it down to just the bar, which is 45 pounds. So to compensate for that loss of weight, I started doing 100 reps at each set. And then over time, I ended up adding weight, adding weight, and then my wrist got better. And I just became ripped and shredded. And it was crazy. I had like 4% body fat and weighed 147 pounds. And um, I maintained that all the way up until about two years ago. Um, But now I'm about 200 pounds. I'm strong, but I don't really stress over it like I used to. Being that we kind of identify somewhat with um, body dysmorphia, maybe not necessarily the disorder. Um, it's like there, there's a lot of things that can happen if you have body dysmorphia. According to Mayo Clinic, at least uh, some of the things are major depression or other mood disorders, suicidal thoughts or behavior anxiety disorders, health problems from behaviors such as skin picking, um, OCD, eating disorders, and substance abuse. Um, Some of the risk factors uh, for people that have body dysmorphic disorder are having blood relatives who also have body dysmorphic disorder or OCD, negative life experiences such as childhood teasing and trauma, Certain personality traits such as perfectionism, societal pressures or expectations of beauty, having other psychiatric disorders such as anxiety or depression. Some of these symptoms like this, this one, uh, the one where somebody with with body dysmorphic disorder walks into a place and they feel like everyone is staring at. Let's say it's a mole. They got a mole somewhere. That is, it, it isn't, yeah, prominent. prominent, very visible, but it can be like behind their ear. And then they have their hair down covering their ears, but they still feel like everyone is staring at that mole, right? 
I I often feel that way and I can identify with that feeling like when I go to events or gatherings or anywhere where there's a lot of people, especially people that I don't know. I always feel like people are looking at me like and I don't know why. I know in my brain that most of the time they're not other than just glancing up to see, you know, if they recognize me or not. And that's it. Um, But I always feel like every room I walk in, everybody's staring at me. And I really have a problem with that. It makes me anxious. It makes me angry. It makes me defensive. And that's one of the reasons why I avoid social, social gathering, social situations. So I went to Becky's family reunion a couple years back. There were over 100 people there easily. They all knew each other. I knew maybe one or two of them. Right. And it's like no matter what I did, it felt like people were just staring at me and I'm looking around. Their eyes aren't looking at me, but I just can't shake the feeling of them staring at me. That's due to my anxiety disorder. Right. My anxiety disorder puts me on on high alert. And I guess in my head, I'm telling myself that everyone's staring at you. Everyone's like, you know, they're judging you. They're uh, this, that and the other. So I can only imagine like, you know, having some sort of what you consider a flaw or defect. So mine at mine at the current moment is back in uh, 2016, like uh, Becky and I, we lost our child. And, you know, we're going to talk about losing loved ones in the future. But um, from 2016 up into 2016, I was in like the best shape of my life, running, boxing, uh, lifting, like you couldn't tell me nothing. After 2016, I went from 168 pounds up to over well over 200 pounds. And I just started losing some of the weight. I'm down to about 190 now, 180, between 188 and 190 now. But I'm still far from looking like I looked uh, when I was in shape. So I'm not going to lie. There's there's some embarrassment when I walk into a room or I go somewhere and I see somebody, right? It I, I feel embarrassed for how I look. And, you know, it makes it harder for me to go to the gym, too, now. Because everyone at the gym knew me for being that boxer, that dude that will work out for hours, all kinds of cardio, all kind everything. And I can't it's like I'm telling myself, I can't show up looking like this at the gym where people actually respected how I looked and respected my uh, workout routines and work ethic and things like that. So, you know, now that I'm thinking about it more and more, you know, after I got depressed, I gained a lot of weight and. My appearance now, I I feel like I'm just some fat slob. Everyone who knows me knows that I have gained, you know, substantial amount of weight and fat, but nothing too outrageous. You know, it's not like I went from 160 pounds to 250. I went from 168 to about 200. Right. So, Yo, now that I'm talking, man, I'm I'm starting to think I do have body dysmorphic disorder. I mean, what would you consider that body dysmorphia? No, nah, man, I'm gonna tell you right now. Like, I could tell you why everybody's looking at you at that cookout. Like, I told you don't go to that cookout with that see-through mesh wool wear jersey and them fubu jeans. <laughs> I told you, but your ass ain't listen. And you insisted on not wearing a t-shirt. <laughs> remember that? Remember that wool wear shirt? Uh, yeah, man. Damn. Did I- but yeah, um, I, I mean, I would say somewhat. I can relate to that. I had two new babies in 2016 and 2017. And before my my youngest son was born in 2016, I was still uh, between 147 and 154. I'd maintained that weight range for 10 years. I was still a beast in the gym. I was, I was still bench pressing over 200 pounds. I was still doing 30 pull-ups at a time, overhand, underhand, you name it. I was still doing 120 push-ups in a minute and some ch- some change. You know, I was still boxing every day. Uh, um, but once my son was born, I kind of slacked off a little bit. Now I weigh, I've been weighing between 199 and 204 for the last two years. Um, right now I'm about 200 pounds. I'm still strong. I mean, I lift heavy, but I'm not really as worried about trying to get my old physique as much because even though I'm heavier, it's not that much different. Mm. I'm, I haven't had to buy bigger pants. Um, you know, here's the thing, Dan, and I may sound like an asshole when I say this, but I was hard on myself until I realized that what I consider as out of shape is what most people consider is their best shape. And I may sound like an asshole, but I'm saying this for a reason. This kind of helped me 
when I was struggling with, man, I gained weight. I don't want I don't feel like going to the gym or man, I look like this. I'm not going to get it back to how I was. So I had to take that frame of thought that that that, that, that that's that line of thinking. I mean, to kind of keep those um, obsessive feelings away, because if not, I would go back to obsessing over having a 28 inch waist and, you know, being able to do this and that all these amazing, crazy feats like I used to do when I was 27. I mean, I can relate to what you're doing. I mean, Danny, we also got to remember, too, man, we're getting old. You know, we're not old yet, but we're getting there. And simply put, you know, things don't work the same as they used to in the gym. Like, you're not going to. We used to say, Dan, remember, we used to say stuff like, oh, I got I got to lose 10 pounds this week. And we lose yeah. 10 pounds. I've been saying I got to lose 10 pounds this week for two years. <laughs> man, yeah, me, me and you both, man. And I don't know. It. It's I think that so being being that, you know, I'm heavier, you're heavier, uh, it might not bother you as much as it bothers me. But when you have the type of issues, the mental issues that we have, and I'm going to speak for myself here, the type of mental issues that I have, um, I suffer from depression and anxiety disorder, right? And it's not this new fake shit. I'm 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 sorry, but uh, there's a lot of people out here that they're I, what's the word I'm looking? They're like appropriating mental health disorders. Yeah, I I was just gonna say people pe- people seem like they want yeah. a diagnosis. They gotta have a diagnosis to yeah. identify with. I, I I agree with you, man. That's that is a thing that really pisses me man, off too. That shit, I'm looking like from like earlier when I told you I was going to get on IG and try to you know uh, communicate and link up with other people who are suffering from mental illnesses that are people of color. So I get on here and I start looking up you know different hashtags and different uh, searches and anxiety, you know, depression, and then I'm reading like some of this stuff and I'm like. Okay, this something's not it's almost like that Jesse Smollett story. It's like something's not sitting right here. Then you go and you look through some of their other posts. And, you know, I don't want to discredit anybody that has legitimate uh, mental disorders or mental illnesses. But a lot of this shit is fake, man. Everyone wants to talk about their anxiety, their anxiety. Oh, I have. And, you know, like Charlemagne the God, the um, breakfast DJ for the uh the breakfast DJ, the morning DJ for the breakfast club. He often talks about his anxiety. He wrote a book about it. And, you know, I've brought him up multiple times on the show because, you know, I respect his work and what he does and some of the things he brings to the light now that he's not as much as a jackass, right? I hey, hey, I don't respect that bullshit, stupid interview he did with Anthony Joshua. <laughs> I had to throw that in there. Man, well, you know. Um, it's like after after he brought it to the forefront and then Kanye West being the nutcase he is now, I, I do not doubt that something's wrong with Kanye, but it's like it's popular now to have some sort of uh anxiety, my anxiety, my anxiety. Like, yo, for us that have been diagnosed by clinicians, by doctors, reluctantly exa- diagnosed, reluctantly yeah, diagnosed one, as well. Yeah, 100 percent. It's like. Yo, it kind of pisses me off that someone can get online and say, say, oh, I have anxiety because and then you look at the reason and it's like, OK, you may be anxious, but you don't have a an anxiety disorder. And, you know, I might sound like a, a jackass or insensitive for saying this, but I think a lot of people's shit is made up. They're looking for attention and it's just not real and you know not to, again not to discredit well, anyone who actually suffers from these problems yeah it, it, it pisses me off too and i think a lot of people don't understand the difference between environmental slash like uh uh you know a external causation of anxiety or depression for example oh i'm so anxious i have a i have my final exam in a couple weeks yeah. or oh i'm depressed my girl left me right that's different and the thing that bugs me is I suffer from PTSD. It's totally crippled my life and taken a lot of things away from me. It's taken my livelihood. It's taken my future. It's taken pretty much my entire adult life for the rest of my life that I'll never get back. I really get irritated when I see people always looking to have some way to tell themselves they have PTSD. <laughs> you know, oh, I have a little PTSD myself. People, I mean, it's 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 goddamn ridiculous. You know, every, look, 
everybody has a certain reaction from certain trauma. Okay, now PTSD, of course, post-traumatic stress. That's what, to me, I'm not an expert. I don't make these diagnoses up. But I'm just telling you my personal opinion. I think there's a difference between post-traumatic stress and post-traumatic stress disorder. Sort of like what we talked a minute ago about being body dysmorphic versus having a disorder. When you have a disorder, something is wrong that you cannot necessarily contain or manage on your own. When you are just uh, stressed from from trauma or post-trauma, you may um, be afraid. You may have a couple issues here and there. But by and large, it may not have a massive impact right. on your daily life and your well-being. So I, I'm with you, Dan. I think people need to kind of get control again about what uh, these things really are because it's not fun having these mental illnesses, Dan. I know you know, and yeah. it alters pretty much every single thing yeah. in your life. One, one, man, once it, it all starts off with, you know, something's not right. You're not, you know, normal, right? Um, it It spirals out of control. You try to hold it together. Then finally, you get to a point where, and we both have at some point said this, I need help. This I can't handle this shit on my own anymore. That's when you know that you're facing something that's real, right? Not not everyone does that. So, you know, it's like you go through years. It's not something that you can go to the doctor for one day, one or two visits and get diagnosed with. It takes years to diagnose some of some of these disorders, man. And once you do get a diagnosis, then the the hell of medicine that they put you on is all trial and error. They put you on, you know, well, let me back up. You try to avoid taking medicine. I know I did. I tried to avoid taking any medicine for any psychiatric medicine, SSRIs, benzodiazepines, like anything. I didn't want to take anything. But, you know, you get to a point where it's like I cannot function like a normal human being. So, Unless you're at that point, I'm sorry. We don't believe you. You need more people. We need more people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you're right about meds. I, I did not want to take meds. I was forced to take meds by my employer at the time. Messed me all up and, and um, you know, water under the bridge now. But, you know, Dan, talking about this body dysmorphia and kind of how we touched on lightly, um, you know, the difference between disorder and uh, actually just being dysmorphic because you have issues with yourself. Um, I kind of think a lot of this, though, I mean, granted, there's always been an issue with this. Uh, we've always known about people with bulimia, people with anorexia, things like that, especially, you know, in the 70s, 80s, 90s, when the, with the models being portrayed as all being skinny and thin in the ideal, um, you know, the ideal picture of beauty. But um, I kind of think now, Dan, on social media, it makes it even worse because now everybody is a filter. Every picture is a filter. I kind of feel like, um, and I read a study, I can't remember who did this study, that they did a narcissist personality test just by looking at people's profile pictures. And it is startling the amount of actual narcissists you can pick out just from social media accounts. I mean, think about this, Dan. You have people that will take 30 pictures, 20 pictures of themselves just to post one. Mm -hmm. Like everything has to be perfect. And I think that's, you know, social media has a lot to do with this issue. Um, you know, everyone wants to look a certain way. Everyone wants to apply a filter. They don't look good enough. It's it's never good enough. And, um, you know, I, I, I don't think that should be lost on this seemingly um, epidemic level now of, um, you know, whether it be body uh, shaming or people feeling embarrassed or just overall um, unrealistic expectations. You know, what do you think, Dan? What do you think about, about social media's impact on that? Man, I'm glad you brought that up because that is something that I have noticed over the past few years. I want to say it started with Instagram, but, you know, I'm starting to notice, and especially with women, all, okay, I don't want to offend anyone and say all. There's a large... Well, everyone's offended you ain't now, lying. so I wouldn't even worry too much about that. Man, there's a large percentage of women, young women. I'm going to say the age range is probably between 20 and 35-ish, where there's just this fascination with asses again, right? Like, it, and they're getting these unrealistic 
butt implants, man. They're they're getting fat transfers. They're um getting you know, and it, it's so bad that you remember those news stories that ran a couple years ago where they were going to like hotel rooms and having non licensed people pump shit into their asses just so they can have you know yeah, this lady big who, ass um, that everyone uh, desires. Yeah, yeah, it I was think a lady was a in New York. I think that died. Some lady was wasn't she injecting like cement or something like that in the people's asses? Yeah, rubber rubber cement and fix a flat. Like, and that's not an exaggeration yeah. or a joke. <laughs> fix, they, they must not have read the instructions for the fix a flat right. They don't know what fix a flat. <laughs> fix a flat means for tires, not for asses. <laughs> fix a flat ass, like man, like <laughs> that. It's sad, man. And you know, so so many of our our women in our community, they they're going to these extreme measures to try and make themselves more attractive, such as, you know, the surgeries. Um, and then you have the where they're getting like lipo around their hips and making their waist real small. And they're they're trying to the reason why I bring this up is because you like you mentioned those filters and shit for IG. A lot of these models, you know, thick is the new thing now. The Kardashians and, you know, fat asses, fat thighs, skinny waist. A lot of that shit is Photoshop. It's it's photo manipulation. But these young women don't see that shit. And they go out and start to have these procedures done to try to look like somebody else looks with Photoshop done, man. Now, that speaks to something. I don't know if it speaks to body dysmorphia, but it speaks to something. It's strange, man. I saw Madonna even got fake ass implants now. And those asses look terrible. I mean, I don't know who told the, I don't, look, frankly, I'm a man, right? I have not met a man yet that thinks a woman with those fake asses looks good. I tell you what, if anything, that's often a deal breaker for a lot of dudes when they see a woman with that stuff. Um, but you know, you know what else, Dan, it bothers me is, I, I look, like we mentioned earlier, we work out religiously. We love working out. We're veterans at this, right? Okay, look, I'm not trying to hurt nobody's feelings out here, but I'm going to say it, right? We're veterans at this. We've been doing this for over 20 years. We started lifting weights when you had to buy Muscle Mag, the Arnold Encyclopedia, Flex Magazine. There were no pre-workout drinks outside of a whole bunch of caffeine or, or uh, you know, uh, ZMA supplements or HydroxyCut. Um, there was no fancy flavored stuff. You had to really go out there and do it, right? But now you got all these fad workout routines on social media. Everybody's an expert on YouTube, right? People, you know, we lift weights according to bodybuilding style, trial and error, and also relentless studying. So we know how the body works, physiology, what muscle groups do do what, how to do it, how to work them. Um, But now you got competitive lifting type things, CrossFit workouts where people just do it, just say I did it, Um, you know. And the reason I bring that up is because Fad diets play into this too. Fad workout routines get you hurt. Fad diets get you sick. And an issue that I have a lot of is I see a lot of people, when, especially knowing people who knew me when I was in great, great, great shape. Even now, they'll say, man, how do I get cut like this? Or how do you look like that? And you tell them and they don't yeah. believe you because you're saying something different than they saw some Joe Blow expert on YouTube say. So, you know, they work out, work out. They do a lot of compound movements that don't benefit physique and then they still wonder why they don't look a certain way so then they transition to a fad diet say oh well i want to go keto i keep telling people that keto shit is not healthy al roker is trying to argue with jillian michaels about the keto diet being great when she says it's not healthy al roker i'm sorry you may have lost 100 pounds but that shit is not healthy you know so roker got the surgery that's just another thing yeah, he got he got the surgery too. So it's like, so you're gonna sit here. And, bottom line is this, man. I think so many people just think that the key to health is being thin, and they don't care about how they get there. And that's when, and, and I think that's where body dysmorphia comes in because if you are so um, obsessed with your body to the point where you can't even spend the time to research, live a balanced, healthy life, balanced, healthy diet, functional workouts that do what you want to do, that that work for how you want it to work. And you just want to, you know, I'm on keto. I lost 33 pounds in a week and a half. I'm eating zero carbs. That's just not healthy. And fad diets are a really, really serious thing. And I'm starting to see them take hold much more so now than 
um, I used to, and it, it's it's frightening, man. I mean, I'm seeing some of these diet stand, and I'm like, Jesus Christ, you have to be batshit crazy to get on to do some of these things, man. I I have a friend, right? Love her to death, but she suffers from she she has a lot of the same issues that you and I have, and you know, I would never say anything negative or malicious about her, but at the same time. She, but, <laughs> but <laughs> she falls victim to a lot of this shit. She's the one, you remember that tornado video that I sent you? The one that uh-huh. she was tripping and like grabbing people and just like really like, yeah, she, she suffers yeah. from, you know, a lot of the same thing, anxiety, depression, um, everything that you and I suffer from, she suffers from as well. She takes it a step further with body dysmorphia. Now, I don't know if she's been officially diagnosed. However, I think she has body dysmorphic disorder because her current physique, fine. She's a 40-year-old woman, right? She weighs maybe 145 pounds. Uh, she's 5'8", five, 5'9". Five, so, I mean, proportionate. Looks fine, right? She goes on these starvation diet she she'll refuse to eat because she thinks she's fat right now i can tell you right now her stomach is flat like there's no gut hanging over right um she i don't know what she sees she sees something and this is i want to say textbook body dysmorphia she sees herself as being this fat slob and you know she'll she'll starve herself so the reason i bring her up though is you like you like you said you and I have been in this for 20 plus years we've been boxers our entire lives right and we know how to cut weight how to put on weight right so i would give her dietary advice now no don't come don't come to me thinking that i'm a nutritionist or whatever but i can tell you that if you want to cut weight cardio low carb high protein right that's it and just make sure you burn more calories than you consume. Nah, she don't want to hear that shit. She's still looking for a magic pill. She orders all of this shit from Amazon, like all that sleep shit I bought. She's buying all this weight loss shit, right? She's went, like drinking vinegar, um, apple cider vinegar. That was the thing she was doing. Then it was um, some um, some kind of pills, weight loss pills that weren't working that didn't um go well with her SSRIs because she would have elevated heart rate and things like that. Now, this whole thing, Jennifer Lopez challenging us, like like you mentioned, Al Roker, challenging Hoda from the, uh what's it called, the Today Show, to go with no carbs, no sugar, whatever. So anyway, she comes into work and she's like, yeah, we're going to make a pact. All of us, there was a group of them. We're going to do no carb, a no carb diet. So I, I turn around and say, that's impossible. It's a terrible horrible. Idea. But she's like, no carbs for 10 days. And I'm like, that is impossible. Every single thing you eat has carbs. I, I would like someone, I, I could be wrong. If someone can point to some food that has zero carbs not when you look on the thing and it says less than one gram of carbs zero carbs i don't think that that's possible uh i mean what what, what do you think right quick i mean if you eat a, a, a fatty meat okay you know that's a protein rich fatty food um but the thing is man like okay so i guess these people are not concerned with fiber they're not concerned with vegetables because vegetables have carbs beans fruits they all have carbs so you know, I, I tell people this all the time. And I, look, like you said, we're not licensed nutritionists, but we've been doing this for a long time. You can't, if you starve your body of carbs, your body, and this is just the health. This Let me tell y'all real quick. This is the health and wellness section health of Screws News Pod, okay? <laughs> you have, to, your body needs carbs for energy source, okay? The, the thing about this keto diet is it puts your body into ketosis, right? Which means it starts to burn. It, it, it doesn't have the carbohydrates to burn as to burn off anymore for energy. So it'll, it'll resort to burning your fat. If you don't know how the human body operates, the body op, the body store or first, it burns carbs for energy. It's the, the, uh, the most 
the easiest, the, the most readily available energy source. Once you burn those carbs, it starts to burn fat as energy. Your fat stores are, they're called stores for a reason. They're your energy stores, okay? Once you burn that fat, then it starts to burn muscle. And that's when you can get liver liver issues and kidney issues and rhabdomyolysis and really start to struggle because your body needs carbs and your body needs cholesterols and fats for your cells to function, for oxygen delivery to your vital organs. So if anybody doesn't know why you need to stay away from these carb-free diets, yeah. that is why. That's the, probably the most simplest way yeah. you can put it. And Dan, I, trying to tell people that that don't know, I know you know this. It's like speak. It's like almost like you're talking Chinese, Chinese or French or some other random language they don't speak. Yeah, man. And that and that's what I kept trying to get through to her. I'm like, one, there's no such thing as a no carb diet. Even that fatty piece of meat has carbs. No, it's not a lot of carbs, but it has yeah. carbs. So because if it burns, what what do you think? They don't know when something burns is caramelizing is burning the carbohydrates. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, um, you know, not to not to dwell too much on the dietary we just do a whole episode <laughs> about nutrition <laughs> and elevators and shit man but um yeah so anyway like i said she's always looking looking for she's i don't know no matter what she has something wrong with her physically and she needs to have it corrected through some sort of a magic potion or whatever so like i said she looks fine she's her physique for her age fine especially being that she's had a bunch of kids it's like yo there will there are people that will die to look like you and you think you're some fat slob you know so i think that again perfect textbook example of body dysmorphia so um p i know i understand that you came across some well-known cases of uh, body dysmorphia as far as celebrities are concerned um i can think of a few just kind of off the top of my head, like maybe Michael Jackson. I think he's like the test subject for, you know, for that um, with all the nose jobs and the the skin lightening. Now, whether he had vitiligo or not, let's give him the, let's give him the bene- benefit of the doubt and say he did. He still changed a lot. Well, yeah, and that's what I was getting ready to say. Michael Jackson has to be the biggest, most well-known celebrity um okay we're, we're just gonna we're not gonna re- like like you said dan we'll just leave his skin issue alone okay but one thing that can't be denied is the many nose jobs the many uh jawline reconstructive surgeries on his lips that he had and um you know that stems from i mean if you anyone who's seen the jackson's movie growing up um you know it was well known that he was ashamed of his nose he, he was ashamed of his acne when he was younger coming out on his own and um, he he fixed it. He said his father would always make fun of his nose being wide. And I think I, I think he I don't think he's the only member of the Jackson family to get that nose job. But he took his to the extreme. Mm-hmm. You know, it got to the point where there wasn't really much nose left to work on. You know, his his jaw structure, his jawline changed. Everything changed. And, um, you know, a lot of that can go back to, I'm assuming, the years of abuse he endured as a child, being on the stage, being on the grand stage from prepubescent through puberty, through being a grown-up, having a domineering father, and having your image being plastered everywhere, I can only imagine that you have a lot of discomfort. Um, but Dan, there's also a few people who aren't exactly famous for um, accomplishments <laughs> that are known for plastic surgeries and extreme uh, instances. And when we post a show, I'll, I'll, I'll put a picture of some of these people. I'm going to bring up this lady named Pixie Fox. She's a model, mm-hmm. okay? Now, I'm looking at her picture right now, and we'll post her picture. Um, as well, she has had six weight, six ribs removed, six ribs removed to achieve a tiny waist look. She can fit both of her hands around her waist and clasp her hands together. It looks like she has like a 10 inch waist. Now, mind you, you know, your ribs are protective. They protect your lungs, your uh, heart. <laughs> you know, they protect your, your I think your, your bladder, part of your liver. So she had six removed, four nose jobs, four breast augmentations had elvish-looking ears put in, uh, liposuction, entire jaw reconstruction. Um, you know, she's an example. There's a, I don't know if anybody remembers the two guys who were called the human Ken dolls. Um, you know, they, they look utterly ridiculous. And, um, <laughs> you know, Dan, uh, it's, just, it's just funny because we're going to talk about the muscle dysmorphia in a minute too. 
and amongst bodybuilders, that's called bigorexia, the opposite of anorexia. Um, but another trend that I've seen in the bodybuilding community, this is even amongst bodybuilders, not just regular people, is these synthol injections, these oil injections in their muscles to give them a more full look. And some bodybuilders actually are doing this. Um, you know, Of course, they're not going to admit it. But you see a lot of people that just random guys on the street that get their biceps injected to like 24 inches and they look like Popeye. I mean, it's strange, man. I can't understand what would prompt someone to do that. That must be the definition of yeah, disorder. I'd agree. I mean, I've seen some of those guys, too, where they have the little forearms and like these huge disproportionate biceps. They look like fucking circus freaks, man. They look like they look like uh like snowman or Michelin man or something like the like, you know. I mean, it's it's strange, and I'm and, you know we'll have we'll have pictures posted. Don't worry, um, but it's it's just uh it's not just women, Dan. Like we brought up yeah. women a while back, you know, but men nowadays you're starting to see a lot of men suffer from these similar uh, these same things, going to great lengths to get a certain aesthetic right, and a certain right. look. Let me let me do this before we get into the men. Right, what I want to do is I want to flip the lens back onto us real quick. Right. And I'm going to answer first, but I want to ask the same question to both of us, which is, as a child, did you have any problems with body image? And when I say a child, I mean, up until, you know, the age of, let's say, 16. For me, I started off as a slim child up until about 9, 10 years old. And then I blew up and I got real chubby, right? And this was probably right, right before puberty. It got real chubby. And like it, it was un, I'm going to post a picture of myself, too. And what we're going to do, we're going to post a lot of pictures that go with this show. We'll get P to do his um his Instagram magic. But, yeah, I was chubby at about 13. Well, yeah, about 12, 13 years old, actually. So I did have a problem with body image because I'm looking at everyone else my age. And, you know, they were slim or, you know, even had a little bit of muscles or whatever. And I'm walking around chubby as fuck, but we do the same things. We play the same sports. I mean, I played football, uh, did back then taekwondo, uh, boxing, you know, did a lot of the same things. And I'm looking at these kids like, how are they so big or how are their muscles defined? And I look like this fat slob. So in my mind, at least look like a fat slob. And looking back now. Coming from a single parent household with a mother who didn't cook. I mean, we ate McDonald's. We ate fast food all the time. So I can see kind of how I put the weight on. Right. So then I lost the weight at about 14, 15, right around when I got locked up. I lost all the weight and I got skinny, skinny, skinny. And the same thing. I'm like, damn, now I'm too skinny. I look like crackhead skinny. And, you know, I got pictures of that, too. I, I went from real chubby to real skinny. So it's like, man, I need to start lifting weights. That's actually what got me into the gym. When we were, I want to say, what, 16, 17, we started going to Lee District to work out. Man. Yeah, we started going to Lee District. Yeah, frequently. so yeah. then it's like I'm too small. I'm too scrawny. And, you know, so, you know, looking back, I, I had a lot of problems with body image, man. That's what actually got me into the gym was my the problems I had with my body image. How about yourself? Oh, yeah, 100%. You know. Just for disclosure, me and Dan are mixed, okay? And when we grew up in the 80s and 90s, unlike now, it wasn't cool to be mixed. You know, now it's everybody wants to be mixed. Even people that's not necessarily mixed want to say they mixed. We were mixed. And it was not cool to be mixed, especially coming up in our era, in our neighborhood. Um, so, yeah, I had the same issues, Dan. I started off life, I was slim, too. I was a skinny little kid. But when I got about seven, eight, nine, I got chunky, little chubby. Um, you know, I was always fairly taller than most people, but I was still chubby. I had a lot of weight. I had really curly hair. I didn't go to the barbershop as a kid. My aunt used to cut my hair and that was with scissors. So <laughs> all the way up until about sixth grade, seventh grade, you know, I, I had an issue with my hair. I had an issue of being chubby. I had an issue cause I didn't get brand name clothes. I, you know, all that stuff used to bother me. Um, but then suddenly around seventh grade, I hit a growth spurt and I, I've, <laughs> I've been six feet tall since eighth grade. Okay. So I hit a growth spurt and in eighth grade, I, I ended up shooting up to about six feet tall. Um, I ended up losing a lot of weight. And by ninth grade, I was only about 130 pounds. 
I was the height I am now, 6'1", 130 pounds. I started going to my own barber, paying for my own haircuts, you know, getting fresh temple tapers and fades and, and uh, you know, buying my own clothes, my own brand name clothes. Um, so that kind of is what started me off. But then um, we we have a friend, we have a friend who uh, is, a, is a lifelong Marine, and she actually was instrumental in getting me to start working out. My brothers and my uncle, my brother, and my uncles used to always say, when are you going to get in the gym? You too skinny. You know, I was like 14, man. So um, I started to go to the boys club with my brother in Old Town in Alexandria and down in the basement. And I wasn't really lifting in. But then me and Dan actually started going to Lee District. And I remember our friend, she used to say, when are you going to start lifting? She slapped me in my chest and I got tired of getting slapped in my chest. So <laughs> so we started going to the gym. We started lifting. And that's what kind of started it all. And, um, you know, ever since then, every single little issue that I had that I wanted to correct on my physique, I corrected. I was obsessed with waist size because I used to be chubby. I was obsessed. I was like, no, nah, I got to get 28 inch waist. And I got it. Um, so, yeah, Dan, I mean, it seems as though it kind of mirrors your your experience, yeah. too. Um, I mean, it just we we even we stood out, frankly, coming up. So naturally, we were going to be a lot more uh, aware of our certain differences. And, you know, I come from a massive family and I'm the only mixed person in my yeah. generation. So, um, yeah, it's, it's man, similar. To and you, that's man. that's something too. luckily we grew up also kind of, you know, like I like I mentioned, we talk about boxing a lot. And that's because like we don't play box when, you know, when we was boxing for real, for real, we was like breaking each other's noses, faces, chests, jaws, like all that shit. Like you name it. Dan fucked yeah. my jaw up for a <laughs> I, long time. I man. couldn't open my jaw. For like yeah, six I broke months P's almost. Jaw, P broke my nose. Um, we probably both broken, fractured hands, and all kinds of shit, man. So, luckily, we had that going for us to where we weren't going to take no shit from people pointing out, you know, whatever we perceived our flaws to be. And man, the more we're talking, the more I'm starting to kind of say, "Damn, maybe I do do have body dysmorphia," but we didn't have we didn't take shit so we didn't have people saying oh look at you little fat mixed motherfucker because as soon as that comes out someone's mouth you punch them in the face right but what well we'll see we'll see dad real real quick i think that what what you're kind of getting at is it's body dysmorphic but i think the difference between us and them is even though we we wanted to change things i think a lot of the things that we didn't like is stuff that we pointed out ourselves because no one ever said oh look at your curly hair uh or or look how chubby you are I just think that the difference between us and other people that do drastic steps is we're changing things that we want to change for ourselves versus other people doing things because how they want to be viewed yeah, by others. Yeah, people. I mean, yeah, we do got that going too. So, but uh, you can imagine somebody who, because that's how most flaws are pointed out, is either you see something you don't like or you're comparing yourself to someone else or you get teased and made fun of, like Michael Jackson, like you said. Um, so I can only imagine someone that grew up in our era, in our generation where or even today when everything's on social media, everything's online. So there's more access to how you look. But I can only imagine having, let's say I, I didn't like my I don't know, my ears, man, having someone Cut <laughs> off. for real that nigga look like a pit bull or some <laughs> shit, man. <laughs> get his ears clipped at the but I can only imagine having that and not being able to defend yourself because the the two things we had is we could and would fight and we had jokes for days so if you start trying to joan on us that's what we call you know making fun of joning on us yeah we're gonna light your ass up and you know it's I mean I can only imagine growing up and not having those skills not being able to defend yourself not being able to joan like yo man that that shit, I mean, I think that would fuel body dysmorphia and possibly turn it into the disorder because, you know, I mean, Michael Jackson again, man. On the other side of things, you know, um, there's a thing that's plaguing bodybuilders and bodybuilding and even just the regular populace now called muscle dysmorphia. Um, in the bodybuilding world, they call it bigorexia. And uh, it is exactly what you think it is, the opposite of anorexia. People who suffer from anorexia typically starve themselves, have bulimic episodes. They want to be as thin as possible because they see themselves as big all the time. Well, in bodybuilding, the thing about 
competitive bodybuilding now is mass monsters are in. These are people that are giant, right? It's not like the old Arnold Schwarzenegger days when you were lean and aesthetic. So um, a lot of people that work out, even pro bodybuilders, they have muscle dysmorphia where they never feel big enough. Um, even people at the gym, I mean, everybody wants to be bigger, bigger, bigger. So, you know, you may look fine. You may have, you know, 18 inch muscles, 18 inch biceps, which, you know, I guess everyone thinks the standard should be at least 20 inches because, you know, Mr. Olympia had 20 inches in the seventies. Well, that was Mr. Olympia in the seventies. You know, now guys are at like 24. And so your average guy at the gym is, you know, just eating eggs and chicken and taking supplements at the store. They think they're supposed to look like the guys on the stage or like the rock. Well, the thing that these people don't know is that these guys are all taking steroids and, 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 and uh, PEDs. Steroids and PEDs are not prohibited in professional bodybuilding. So you got a lot of unhealthy things going around now where people are openly acknowledging taking steroids, ignoring the risk factors. People are starting to die from steroids. Uh, bodybuilder named Rich Piana last year, he died from steroids. Um, and I don't like the way this is going, but muscle dysmorphia is a big cause to a lot of this because, frankly, a lot of people feel as though um, they can never be big enough. And uh, Dan, real quick, I just wanted to read off a, a couple symptoms. And, and it's look, I'm not trying to be funny. This is all real. And it's it's a very serious thing. OK, um, you know how people that have body dysmorphia about their they think they're too fat. So they may be ashamed to go to the beach, take off their shirt, mm-hmm. go to the pool. Well, people with body dysmorphia, I mean, muscle dysmorphia and bigorexia, they have the same issue where they refuse to go to the beach and take off their hoodie. They refuse to take off their shirt at the pool. Um, They refuse to be seen without baggy clothing because they feel they're not big enough. They feel as though their muscle mass is inadequate, even though they may be 215 pounds of solid muscle. They feel like it's not big enough. So you get the phenomena where they have the same, uh, you know, uh, coping mechanisms in terms of covering up and concealing themselves as people who may be anorexic have the only alternative the only difference is they may take more substance abuse uh, have more issues of substance abuse and eating disorders where they overeat and have health problems as a result of that man i never even heard of that until now but yo it's funny how like okay you think you're fat or you think you're too small it's like the reaction to both are the same thing, which is cover up, cover up, cover up, man. I I couldn't imagine. Well, no, I can't imagine that. Um, you know, so going going back to kind of childhood, I was that kid that wouldn't take his shirt off at the pool. I I was that one dumb nigga in a t shirt in the swimming pool. You know what I'm saying? And that's because I'm like I'm either too chubby or too skinny. You know what I'm saying? So I I can actually kind of relate to that. And to tie that into today, as we kind of, you know, wrap up is like, yo, right now I wouldn't take my shirt off to go in no pool. Well, I got a pool in my backyard and I, I, I strip ass naked and get in that pool. But like at a public pool, yo, I would not take my shirt off right now in the shape I'm in. Right. And it's kind of crazy because I do have a level of confidence about, you know, like you said, P, it's like our out of shape is somebody else's in shape you know what i mean so it's like yo uh, still right now today pool party shirt's not coming off i'm sitting there in damn sweatpants and a t-shirt like fuck y'all in that damn pool man but had you caught me two years ago shit i, I might have had a damn speedo on in that joint man <laughs> <laughs> a speedo with brazil on the ass i mean re- i want to real quick real quick i want to revisit muscle dysmorphia i gave i gave the extreme um, examples of muscle dysmorphia. Dan, you kind of you kind of reminded me because um, I'm looking at a stat. Um, I'm, I'm trying to see where this stat came from. What's the source? Nigga named Bob. Um, it's from a, it's from Psychology Research and Behavior Management um, by Todd D. Edwards. He says that uh, muscle dysmorphia ranges from one percent to fifty four percent of men, and show that gym members, weightlifters, bodybuilders have a higher prevalence. So um, I gave the extreme example. Okay. Um, but just kind of what we just what we discussed earlier, Dan, is kind of muscle dysmorphia where we feel like, OK, I got to get this 28 inch waist. OK, I got to get uh, these, you know, my, my, my shoulders has it has to be a certain uh, width. I remember when I got fitted for a, a suit that I bought, I was in the best shape of my life. 
I remember the woman, the tailor that was measuring me, taking my measurements, said she'd never seen anyone with my measurements before with the extreme width of the chest and shoulders and the extreme smallness of the waist. My, the waist to, to hip, the waist to shoulder ratio. So I, I, I was really happy. I was like, yeah, you know, I, I felt like I felt like King Dingling, like I was the shit, you know? <laughs> yeah, man. Yo, funny, too, when you talk about suits, I got one suit, right? Because you remember every time something happened, I just borrow a suit from you because we was damn near the same size. Man, I got one suit right now. The waist on it is 32 because in, in my peak or the prime of my athletic prowess, <laughs> like I had uh, between a 30 and a 32 inch waist. Man, yeah, that, that suit, I haven't been able to wear that shit in over two years. So I've actually not gone to a lot of events like there's friends that i've had um recently too locally got got married um can't fit my suit sorry can't go funerals had um people pass sorry can't fit my suit can't go and like people are fussing at me like just go buy a new suit just go buy a new suit and it's like shit that's a less about 700 man, good man, I dollars could, i could have easily yeah, I go to men's warehouse, man. Getting them joints for like $150, $200 because fuck that. I don't need suits. So <laughs> it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm not buying an expensive suit. If I need one of those, I just borrow one of yours. But yeah, man, like I refuse to buy bigger clothes like my jeans. I can't fit those right now, right? I'm the same way. I would not buy bigger clothes either. I'm like, fuck yep, that. I'm going to fit these clothes. That's, what I, that's every, every time, man. Why don't you buy a new one? <laughs> nope. I'm going to just I'll fit back into them. I've been saying that shit for two years, but. It's like I refuse to accept how I look right now and how big I am. Now, other people may see me and say, you don't look that big. So right now, um, well, not right now, right now, but we're going to I'm going to post a picture of me without, you know, but in probably some of the best shape of my life back when again, when P and I were like boxing, boxing. Right. And then I'll post a picture of me um, right before that before i cut the weight right i I wouldn't i wouldn't dare post a picture of me now fuck that (laughs) but yo let me ask you this you should post that picture of yourself you should post that christmas picture of yourself standing in front of that fire (laughs) i got another uh picture of myself where i put a bow on my abs and lifted out my shirt and took a picture (laughs) i'm gonna see if i can find that too because i I bet i still have that so yeah uh be prepared to just have a lot of odd pictures of us. So let me ask you this right quick, too, as we um as we close out. Right. Your social media um pictures. Right. Do you post current pictures of yourself? Very rarely. I don't I never really posted a lot of pictures of myself. I, I always had this weird feeling where I, I don't know if this is just our age, but I feel like taking selfies is just kind of like not masculine. Right. So, you know. Back when I lived by myself, I had no one to take pictures of me. So I have pictures from like 2010, 2011, where I had some selfies here and there. But um, I really don't take many pictures of myself, especially now. I have a lot of videos because I still post workout videos of me. But um, as I, as we stated on, on the other show, I used to wear tank tops and shorts every day. I haven't worn a tank top out of the house without a shirt over it in about two years now. Um, but I'm like you, Dan. I don't buy new clothes. I'm not buying new clothes. When I got married, I had to get my suit let out a little bit. Um, but I, I don't, I don't really, if I don't have a haircut, I'm not going to post a picture of myself. If I have a picture of myself in a tank top today, I'm not posting that picture. I'm, I'm the same way, man. Like all of my social media posts are older pictures of me. I mean, being that we're doing the podcast, of course. And video now so people can actually see me. Um, I have a huge problem with that. But for the most part, on my personal social media pages, I post old ass pictures. Like, and when I say old, I'm, uh, you know, a year or two old. And I just run with those. I like being that I'm not happy with how I look right now and how I feel. It's like, fuck that. Not posting one. Not posting anything recent, man. So uh, any closing thoughts, P? Well, I mean, I just feel like this day and age, and I was going to bring this up earlier. Um, yeah, it's a lot of uh, pressures in society to look a certain way, to think a certain way. That's a, that's a show for a different day, um, to dress a certain way. But the thing is, you know, they used to teach us growing up about being yourself. They used to teach us growing up about defending yourself and having pride in yourself and self-respect. And I'm not trying to um, say something unpopular here. 
But I think also this culture of everyone's a victim doesn't help. I think they teach kids defending yourself is wrong. Well, you get in a fight at school because someone hits you, you hit them back. Zero tolerance, you get suspended too. Go tell an adult. Well, that's not that's not feasible. That's not practical. So I feel like um, the way society is these days with the pressures, of, you know, like we mentioned about how you look, um, I don't think it's it goes well with this anti-bullying culture. Of course, bullying is wrong, but at the same time, you gotta we gotta start teaching people to have self respect, love themselves, and defend themselves, and have self confidence again. Stop um, teaching people to be sad because they're being bullied. Teach them to fight back. They always taught us in school growing up the best way to handle a bully is to stand up to him. Now they say the best way to handle a bully is to go tell. So if you're telling people already that um, people are supposed to pity you because somebody's making fun of you then I just feel personally that that does not help um, this epidemic of body dysmorphia going around these days. And I think it only adds to it more and more. And I I just wish that that's something that that would change and change soon. Yeah. So basically I agree with everything P just said. Um, If you do have body image problems, I mean, we all have insecurities. There's no question about it. I have insecurities and I've expressed some of them this episode P as well has insecurities. There's not one person alive that has that doesn't have insecurities. And the people that tell you, oh, I'm a secure and I have zero. they're fucking lying. We all have insecurities, right? If you obsess over whatever it is you're insecure about that, again, like we've been talking all episode, that can lead to a lot of these disorders, uh, you know, depression, anxiety, um, you know, drug, drug use. And if it comes, if it's a uh, part of your body, body dysmorphia, you know? So I, I would just say, try to project strength and know that nobody is perfect. None of us are perfect. None of us are close to perfect. And trust me, I'm a narcissistic asshole who thinks my shit doesn't stink, but I know I'm far from perfect, you know? So there's probably some resources that we can post in the show notes um, that, you know, if you are really, really struggling and you need someone to talk to or maybe some more insight because we're not professionals when it comes to body dysmorphia. Um, there, I'm sure there are resources out there. We can find links, post them in the show notes. And, you know, just I mean, man, when there's a chink in your armor or when you feel exposed, I would just say try to project strength. Um rather than project being a victim, as P said, we're raising today. So in this episode of, I was about to say Black Law and Legal Lies. <laughs> so in, Damn, I was about to say Black Law and Legal Lies. <laughs> man, yeah, Black Law and Legal Lies, check us out, uh, weekly uh, legal podcast, uh, every Tuesday, new episodes, shameless plug. Uh, this episode, we discussed body dysmorphia, body dysmorphic disorder, and how the two slightly vary. It might be semantics, but, you know, there, there's variation. Um, We talked about muscle. Help me out here, P. Muscle dysmorphic or muscle dysmorphia, a.k.a. Bigorexia. Bigorexia. There you go. We also shared some of our, um, you know, growing up that we had problems with our body image. And I still do today more so than P. Um. So, you know, just know that if you're unhappy with the way you look, unhappy with the way you feel, or you have some sort of perceived flaw, you are not alone. All of us do. And if someone tells you they don't, like I said before, they're lying. We all have our insecurities. So until next episode, um, I am Dan. You can catch me on Twitter and IG at I am Dan on drugs. And I am P. You can catch me on Twitter and on IG. At screws yep. loose, and pod. we're gonna, like we said, we're gonna start trying to publish episodes more often. Uh, so stay tuned for the new schedule. All right, people, peace, peace.